and welcome back to another episode of Doubler's Podcast. My guest this week is clarinetist, writer, and marketing consultant, John Hong. Thanks for joining us, John. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks so much. So can you share a little bit about yourself? Where are you right now and and what you're up to? Yeah, so I am in Ottawa, Canada. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans will know it as the city that in Canada that gets <laughs> very trashed all the time. Oh, no. Um, yeah, but, uh, no, yeah, it's been, I moved up here in, um, August 2019. So in other words, just in time. <laughs> um, yeah. and it's been pretty, cause I'm American, but I, it's been pretty wild to see the difference in how just people are here versus like I grew up in Texas and the way my parents describe it, it's a lot different. But, uh, yeah, I'm up here and as you said, I am a, a marketing consultant for or, uh, classical musicians. Um, my, yeah, I've, I've been doing a lot of stuff these days, but mostly what I do is, um, help, uh, classical musicians be their, um, not just their best selves, but their, uh, communicate exactly who they are, which I think yeah. is a really tough thing, um, for musicians who think that they have to be impressive or to be um all these different things that that get in the way of what they actually want to just express and and what part of art they they have so yeah there's so many layers to that <laughs> very many <laughs> so layers <laughs> cool so just to get a little bit of a background um on your on your background you might say yeah. um so you mentioned that you grew up in Texas. Where did you go to school and what did you study? Did you study marketing or did you study classical music? What's your background there? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I was uh, on the orchestral track very much for a long time. Um, you know, I, like a lot of people, I think my journey kind of looks like it's, it's just one sort of improbable scenario <laughs> that leading right. to another, right? That you couldn't um, have planned if you wanted to. Yeah. Uh, so really, so I went to a, I, I kind of was like, well, I'm good at my instrument. I don't really know what else I to do. Um, people that are good at their instrument, they take orchestra auditions and then they win and they become orchestral musicians. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, so I went to, uh, a s state school, university of Northern Colorado for my first two years to study clarinet performance. And then I transferred to, uh, the Lynn conservatory in South Florida. Um, it's like a Curtis of the South. It's not, but it's I didn't like... know that you went to Lynn. I've played at Lynn. Oh no I've way. Spent some time in South Florida. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. With, yeah, that's right. I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you've probably played with a lot of people that, that I know, but yeah, yeah I, I went to Lynn for the last two years of my um, bachelor's, still thought that I was going to do the orchestra thing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then, it, it, yeah. And then, uh, it, it all really changed when I moved to New York. Um, I went to Juilliard for my master's and mm -hmm. I moved there in 2014 and it, it was just like I had hit all the check marks and and like it was supposed to i was supposed to be an orchestral musician and then life threw me a real traumatic event and um it honestly set the course for the rest of my life at least so far yeah. um i really was in sort of the really dark place like coming into moving into new york i i didn't know anybody and i, I just knew that really i just knew that i had to do something big to change the way my life was going. Yeah. Um, so long story short, 
I found myself sitting in the room with a life coach and I wanted to work with them. And, uh, she was like, great. Uh, it's, uh, you know, let's do six months. And, and she said, it's going to be $8,500. And I was like, that was a lot of, I mean, that's a lot of money to anybody now, but right. to me then like being in school, like I had, um, some money saved up from the other jobs and, and gigs that I've done, but it's like, I didn't have $8,500. Right. And no, so, that feels impossible when you're in school. Yeah. So I was like, you know, the logical thing would be for me to, you know, go home and think about my finances and how I could move stuff around and, and figure it out and, and then come back and, and work out a plan. But I was like, you know, I've gotten to this point in my life by playing it safe and trying to do the reasonable thing and, and doing what I, and I have, a, I had a chance. I knew I had a chance to shake things up. Yeah. And so I handed her my credit card and gave her $2,500 down payment. And, uh, you know, I mean, I could, I could talk about this experience for the whole podcast, but really the main thing that, uh, I I got from it wasn't only like, you know, what I, I got from, from working with her, but it was the way I had to change my life to, Mm -hmm. uh, just pay for it. And so right. I was like, well, frick, I was like, I went to bed that night. I was in a, I, I couldn't sleep. I was in a cold sweat. I was like, what did I just do? Yeah. And, uh, so I, the next day, uh, I, I went to pretty much every office, uh, it, school just started and every office in Juilliard and, uh, tried and asked for if they had any positions open for right. work study. Um, and I applied to like, you know, quite a few, almost a dozen, uh, jobs out, off campus. And then I, I long, I ended up working four jobs and it was like 45, 55 hour, uh, work weeks just to like pay rent and pay wow. for you know, all that stuff. But, uh, I, this is where all the, uh, this is where it leads into, um, one thing kind of leads to another. Right. Um, cause, uh, so I, I got it. One of my, my first job I got was in the career services, like entrepreneurship center. Yeah. And so I happened to get the shifts where, uh, there these lunch and learns where guest speakers would come. And, uh, I ended up being the one that would get the pizzas and serve them to everybody, but also work with every speaker. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. So the, I, uh, I just, I had all these in-depth conversations with people while I was setting up for them. Um, one of those people was, uh, Noah Kakiyama, who, if you're a classical musician that, uh, if you were on the orchestra tr- track, like I was, you might, um, know him from the, all of his performance psychology for orchestra auditions. Um, he has mm-hmm. a really, uh, a great blog doing that. And he That's inspired musician, me to, right? bulletproof musician. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he inspired me to, uh, write a weekly blog that, um, it, I, it ended up getting, uh, I don't write in it anymore, but it got enough views to, uh, get the attention of the Washington post for one article. That was pretty crazy. Sweet. Um, but got, I got, I got referenced in the post as part of the conversation. So that was pretty cool. Nice. But, uh, yeah, really, you know, that it just put me um, it really changed the way I thought about music. I, I, re- I saw so many people who were doing um, so many different things besides 
just being in an orchestra, you know, selling, right. you know, like they made their own instrument cases where they, um, you know, had their own website where they made money off of stuff like that. And it was just like, oh, I can do something else. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You don't have to wait till you find that slot where you slot in and that's it. Yeah. So I get to Juilliard, or sorry, I get to uh, graduating Juilliard. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I uh, I don't know if you had the uh, uh, terror of like, what the fuck am I going to do? <laughs> I, def <laughs> I definitely did. Um, I, I moved to Bosnia personally. I mean, that seemed like a reasonable thing to do. So... <laughs> Oh yeah, I had a friend. Uh, um, yeah, the Sarajevo is that? Yeah, the, uh, Sarajevo Philharmonic. I was like, great. How much does it pay? I don't know. I don't care. Get me out. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's such a. So many people just do really like it's. It's not like a everybody. Most people do like this. Like everyone graduates and like goes and does like yeah, like everything. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know what I was gonna do. So it's like, well. Okay, uh, like I, I had some like I auditioned for Ensemble Connect. I didn't get that, but um, because I was still working this job with Career Services, mm -hmm. I uh, uh, there was a woman named Paola Prestini who was slated to speak, and she uh, um, she was a Julia grad and composer, but she's also she also ran a venue called National Sawdust, and she spoke about her journey and how she found it like she uh you know launched a nonprofit while she was in school and like all this stuff and I found it really inspiring and yeah. I I had since learned or I had learned at that point that if you put yourself around people that make shit happen then generally things work out for you. Right. So I was like all right, I'm going to like I'm going to shoot my shot. <laughs> so <laughs> I yeah, I came up I went up to her afterwards and I told her a little bit about my my blog and said that I would love to find a way to work at National Sawdust, and she said, "Okay, let's uh, let's uh, let, let's talk and see how, what we can what we can do." So, yeah, landed a, a internship there, um, paid thankfully, yeah. and uh, yeah, I it, that transitioned into um, a uh, learning just a ton of stuff about the arts industry on the fly that I didn't know. Uh, that they just don't really address in school. Like I wrote, um, you know, tons and tons of press releases and I didn't even know what a press release was until yeah. <laughs> it was there. Right. And like, I learned how to build relationships with journalists and, um, uh, yeah. It, it, and then that transitioned into a copywriting role where I started to write all, event copy for, um, just for, for all of the uh, different concerts that we did. And so at National Sawdust, I guess I should say the, uh, it's a new music venue nonprofit. So it's like both a venue and, uh, a source of funding for artists who can, yeah. you know, come into the space and do and workshop different concepts and, um, uh, and perform there, uh, in a really revolutionary space. It's still, uh, managed to survive during the pandemic, which I think is incredible. That's great. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I worked there for a little over two years and just learned, um, a lot, but, Mainly, I learned that uh, a lot of artists in the real world that were, you know, had careers and were doing cool things didn't really know how to express those cool things in the materials that they sent me. 
Yeah. So I would get, I would have to, uh, you know, redo, um, people's bios like, like a ton because they were going to go on the website and on where the event was and their description of the event and their description of the bio didn't, of themselves didn't match the um, awesome, cool, uh, scope of what they talked to us about on the phone. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just being able to uh, do that over and over and seeing how many people over and over did not have that um, uh, skill set mm-hmm. uh, it really sort of uh, got me on the, the the track that I currently am on um, and I, I it's a it's sort of a winding road to how I got from that spot to um, moving to Canada but uh, the long the story short is my girlfriend's Canadian and she lived with me in New York and then, uh, her visa expired. And so she had to mm. leave. And yeah. uh, then I was like, you know what? I think I can move up here and make something of, I had started, um, just, I, I just posted on Facebook and Twitter about my, um, about just like, Hey, I'm rewriting bios now. Uh, I'm charging, I think I charged like a, it was like 140 bucks or something. Um, if it's something that interests you, get in touch. And then I made $3,000 in my first month. That's which awesome. Is like, <laughs> just from, just from, you know, like no paid advertising, no, like, yeah. Nothing, just like, hey, like I do this. Um, so it showed me that there was a real need for it and that I could invest more time into, into doing that. But yeah, I mean, I remember when you posted that because I immediately went to my group and I was like, hey, yeah. I'm terrible at writing all these things. I'm the one who, I'm, you know, one of the ones who's been doing it. Right. Um, <laughs> let's give it to this guy. He knows what's going on. <laughs> Right. And I mean, even just on a basic level, I found that uh, just being able to look at somebody's you know career and arts accomplishments and whatever from the outside, even before yeah. the, you know, expertise that I've, I've, I have from doing it tons of times, but just having someone look at it from the outside is even um, sometimes that's like what is the missing ingredient in putting it all together into, Oh, this is important. And these three things are actually not that important. Right. Um, and so that's, so that's honestly most of what I do, but I think, uh, I think it's not only necessary, but I really, I've grown to enjoy that part of the, uh, uh, of the job is just figuring out what, uh, what the core is of an artist or ensemble and how to center everything around that instead of it bios just being a list of accomplishment, 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 accomplishment. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so, and I think you're right about the third party aspect of it because when you're in your project and you're in what you're doing, it's so easy to like forget what it looks like to somebody outside. And you're like, of course, I mean, for my quintet's case, of course we have a puppet, obviously, but like right. realizing <laughs> that that's like, we need to introduce that to the reader because that's not a normal thing. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. having that perspective is really, I mean, I know for us it was, it was really great. And I'm sure that's why so many people are finding value in, in what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just really hard to look at your own uh, career and try to judge what's important about it and, and not just your career, but what you do. I think people, yeah. that's just something that I've seen so many people really struggle with. And I honestly find it even for my own bio figure, like, oh, I gotta, it feels like all of these different 
accomplishments or 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 interests or whatever like they hold equal weight and how do i even choose between them um right yeah so yeah i i totally empathize with the the struggle but um it's it's been nice to feel like i've filled the need (laughs) yeah i mean that's awesome that's an awesome response to get from just a couple social media posts uh you know to see that kind of engagement from everybody like holy crap yes please take my shut up and take my money (laughs) totally yeah that's very cool um Cool. And so it sounds like it sounds like primarily you're working on the marketing consulting. So it's not you mentioned doing bios for musicians, of course. Are there any other types of projects that you find yourself doing a lot? Yeah, I really since I've started um, since I made those posts and I've continued to um, really uh, my I haven't had to do any real advertising yet, which has been still amazing to me. Um, it's been really just word of mouth and, and, uh, you know, just doing a, doing a good job and other people like not many people are doing this, I find like, (laughs) so, uh, it seems to, you know, I, I seem to, uh, there was a stretch a, a couple months ago where, um, I think seven different conductors like referred me to the previous conductor like in a row oh. just <laughs> just, just like a, just, without me prompting yeah yeah without me prompting um them to 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 say anything to anybody there i i just wow. was like oh you know like how'd you hear about this and then oh this person oh like just <laughs> did the most okay so um yeah so it's a uh, it, it's that's that's been fun i <laughs> I, I forgot what uh, the original question was <laughs> Sorry, I just like blacked out while I was saying that. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I was just laughing. I was so th- busy thinking about the seven chain of conductors that are all referring you. I ah, clearly, I was too. I was, right? I was like, wow, that that's was funny. crazy. That yeah. is so funny. What a chain. Um, no, but so we had been talking about how you've been doing um, so many musician bios. Are there any other types of writing yeah, projects yeah, yeah, that you yeah. find yourself? That you find yourself doing a lot? Yeah. So what I was going to say, I don't know how I got <laughs> off on that tangent. Um, what I was going to say is that I, since I uh, started doing bios, um, I found myself getting a lot of requests for other random projects. Um, one was uh, uh, someone, I've, I've done copy for a, a coffee company who was like, <laughs> oh, like I, I like, uh, you know, I sent them you know, I told him, Hey, this is kind of what I do. And he's like, well, I mean, I have this coffee company actually, and we're trying to describe these beans. Like you want to give a crack at it. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. That's so awesome. like, I, yeah, yeah. So that, so that's been fun. Um, a lot of what I do, uh, is also, um, let's cover letters and resumes and that sort of thing, because those are also, um, uh, uh, where you have to really distill, um, mm-hmm. your, not just your, uh, accomplishments, but, um, you know, how you'll specifically be useful to the company that you're applying for yeah. in cover letter format or resume format. Um, yeah. and, uh, that's something that is also <laughs> a huge pain that people struggle with. And, um, I'm happy to have, uh, so it's something that people have, um, asked me for, but I, yeah, it, you know, what I really love about doing this is that each month is so different in terms yeah. of what I'm asked to, um, you know, what people, what, what shows up in my inbox on a day to day basis. Like what, like last, uh, a couple of months ago, um, I, uh, did a lot of editing for, uh, college application essays, not just for 
music too, like for like business school and like almost, I was like, are you, you know, like cool. I just, they were just, I just need someone to make sure that this is, you know, like super clear and super, and I trust you and blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, a lot of it has just been building trust over time and letting the word of mouth spread. Um, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, it's true. I, I never thought about the parallels between distilling your career for a bio and also distilling it for a resume. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think it's just something that is, uh, we, we are very resistant to as humans to, to like, we, we, we think that our lives are so complex and so, um, you know, rich, I don't know the words, but to, to right. be distilled into, um, a few paragraphs. Uh, and so I think that's part of why the process is so painful. Um, yeah. so being able to outsource it, uh, I feel like is definitely a, a plus that I try to bring to people. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, um, it's hard to think about all of your experiences and, and try to rank them in that way and be like, what is going to make the cut? And you're like, oh, but I love doing this. Or, you know, I have an emotional connection to that. And it's like, yeah, but is that really what, is that really like the main story that you're trying to tell? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think most people really, you just hold on to certain, um, oh, they feel like they have to have like, uh, press quotes, for example. And so they use something that doesn't really work as a press quote. And it's like, you can tell that they've just kind of pulled different words, but they think like, oh, well, you know, now that that's what makes my bio legit. And right. Um, I have to have something. Yeah, I have to have something, yeah. um, or I have to, you know, have this big competition win, even though you're, you've, that was in like classical piano and a lot of what you do is in contemporary piano. It's like, yeah, yeah. we can mention it, but it doesn't, that doesn't mean that it should be the, you know, first or second sentence in the bio, you know? Right. And so, yeah, a lot of it is really just, um, saying who you, uh, really are in just the first few sentences and then supporting that in the rest of the, um, in the rest of the bio for those that are grabbed by the first few sentences. Um, right. Yeah. You got to hook them early. Yeah. <laughs> got to get, got to get them right out the gate with the good stuff. And then, <laughs> then they can, yeah, I mean, that's, words. it's really, that's, yeah, that's really, uh, that, that's, you, you said it. <laughs> I know, you know, I, I do have a way with words. Mm. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting how it's, it's gone from one very specific thing that you started out doing. And now it's kind of blossoming out into all these other areas where now you're working on stuff that isn't even related to music. Yeah. It's a neat progression to have seen. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it is neat. Um, I'm finding that, you know, the more people I talk to with all the, um, it's really, it is really fun getting to work with so many people, um, because I get to see their career paths and see how, uh, how often it's just really like very rarely do I, I get, um, the, the, the people that, okay, like they, they, they went to conservatory and then they won a bunch of competitions and then they got management and then they, you know, like it's, much more often it's like, oh, like they've spent time teaching and then they spent some time in academia and then they, 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 you know, like tra traveled for two years and, and right, then taught right. English in Korea. And then, the, you know, it's like, that's way, way, way more common. Like that sort of like back and forth doing so many different things sort of trajectory. Um, but I think that 
makes for a more interesting life. I personally, um, but also, uh, you just get a more, you get a more interesting understanding of the, the world that way. Um, yeah. and I don't, I just don't think that like 99% of people are not, you're not going to be able to plan your, your, your life even, even a year from today, let alone, you know, five years, 10 years, like, right. It's just, you got to put yourself in good positions and then, uh, just kind of like let fate do the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Like you couldn't like a lot of people, their, their story, you couldn't plan it if you wanted to, like, I, you know, I feel the same way about my, my journey of, you know, going from one thing to the next. It's like, I don't think I could have planned this if I tried. I never thought I'd live in New York. I thought New York was a disgusting pile of garbage and I didn't understand why anyone would pay so much money to live here. And of course I say this now that I live in New Jersey, but but I live in the city. I loved it. You know, like I'm so glad that I didn't let that initial, you know, that initial perception of like going into Times Square in 2007. Um, you know, I, I tried to keep an open mind and I would say yes. And you know, that whole idea of just continuing the story, um, and I'm so glad that I did because I would have missed out on a ton of rich experiences if I. Ah, absolutely. I, I mean, New York way. is New York is so great. I miss it so much. It is. I mean, the like you know since uh, uh, graduating, I kind of had like this like oh like once a month I would have like a, a gig still to 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 play my instrument and get to hang out with people. Uh, you know, you and I of course play together in the Washington Heights Chamber Orchestra. Um, oh yeah, just a de- delightful uh, ensemble, um, but. It, yeah, it's like since COVID, it's just I haven't been able to do that. Obviously, like I yeah. live in Canada, but then you know, one week out of you know the the month, you know, give or take, um, I'd come back and and play you know with with you in the orchestra or some other gig, and um, it, and it was just like a great way to to mix things up. But now it's like yeah. uh, I'm grateful that I'm still able to be you know okay here and have a um, you know a good place and you know. It, uh, I live with uh, uh, my girlfriend and that's been wonderful, but yeah, I really do miss the um, playing with other people and all that. It's been brutal to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't know. Like, have you gotten to play much at all? Like what's your situation been? Well, I've gotten to play with Calliope, of course, here right. and there. Um, we actually haven't gotten together to play since November which is real sad. This is the longest it's been. Um, but you know, with the second wave and the more contagious and it's just, it's been too much. Um, but yeah, as far as gigs that aren't calliope or, um, I did one gig over the summer. I did an outdoor marching band gig, but as far as like sit down and play the French horn, I had a recording session on December 1st Mm. and I have another recording session in a week. Um, and that's been about it. I mean, luckily for me, I, I, live with a horn player alex right, partner right, right. is a horn player so we play duets quite a bit um oh that's good yeah and, we're, and we find ways to mix it up we're like all right let's play in a different key let's start in the book backwards mm. like yeah know? yeah so we find ways to do things but uh but yeah i mean you know i for me um it's been first it was a little bit of a breather where it was like okay this is cool this is fine we can take a breath take a break, do some reset. Um, and I have a day job. And so that was keeping me right. busy anyway. Um, cause 
the day before I was supposed to go back to Florida with Alex to do six weeks of an opera and symphony gig was March 14th. Oh, so we never made goodness. it to Florida. Um, yeah. And so, you know, like processing the loss of that and it was like, okay, well, you know, let's take a breath. This will be nice. We can have a reset. We'll just bum around the house. How bad could it be? Right. But then and it's, yeah. Oh, oh that's how bad it could be. Actually. Right. <laughs> right. And now that it's coming up on a year, it's like, oh my God, like I have, there's people I haven't seen in over a year that I, yeah. you know, would see all the time here and there, like playing gigs and, and yeah, you, you miss that, like, um, that sociability aspect of it. And it's easy yeah. to take for granted when you're, when you're in the middle of it. Oh, super easy to take for granted. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, I, uh, I, 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 you know, I went through this period where I was like, you know, oh my gosh, like the people, you know, the orchestral musicians, like if that, if, you know, you're trying to audition for your whole life, like that was such a stupid thing for me to even think about, like who, like what a terrible life you get to sit next to the same person every single day for 25 years, like, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. And <laughs> I mean, a lot of that criticism I think is still valid, but um yeah, it's, you really can't put a price on just being able to like, basically kind of just hang out as your job, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And especially with the gig life is like, mm-hmm. that's really, because it, it, it's like, it's, it's just much different than, um, working, uh, you know, like working in an office or anything like that. I yeah. know because that was what I did for, even for an arts organization. It's just like, it's a much different vibe when you're, oh, okay, let's make music and let's work together to make this sound good instead of like writing passive aggressive emails across the, the communal <laughs> table. Like, you know, right. warm regards. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> warmest. <laughs> Thanks in advance. Oh my right. god! <laughs> Seriously, yeah. There's. It's like you learn all these gymnastics on how to like get people to not be stupid. You, you know, and it's to anticipate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. So I I definitely miss the uh, uh, the the you know hanging out part of it for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely something that I really missed too. I, I identify a lot with that sentiment. (laughs) Um, but you know, hopefully sooner than later, things will come back. And once the weather warms up, I think there will be a lot more going on. Um, I know that I've had a Mm. lot more opportunities on the horizon, you know, this year as compared to last year. Cause last year, I think going into the summer, it was like, uh, nobody knows what's happening. And at this point, um, we've all adjusted to this in a in a roundabout way, the Stockholm syndrome has set in. So mm. we're going to make concerts anyway. We're going to do right. whatever it is. Um, yeah. So there is there like a light at the end of the tunnel feeling yet for just in the art scene down there. I mean, up here it's like we just we're. I think we've just been in a big stay at home order because of the mm-hmm. variant, and Canada is like very proactive and like oh we're gonna you know shut really shut this down until we can get there, and it, it seems like. The government has basically just funded a lot of the arts stuff and, yeah. and just like been like, let's, you know, so it's still up here. Like people are trying to do virtual stuff, but really it's like, we have no idea, but I know in the States, depending on where you are, it's different. I mean, what's the vibe there? Yeah. I mean the vibe, it kind of depends on who you talk to and what their individual situation is. Um, yeah. You know, the, I don't know if you've followed what's gone on with the Met Orchestra, but there's some real messed up stuff going on over there. Yeah. I mean, that's like only vaguely pandemic related. Let's be honest. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it kind like... of, it's hard to see that 
and right. feel like, well, if that's what's happening to an organization with that much money, like what is the rest of everyone going to be doing? Right. Um, one thing that's really helped me personally to keep feeling like there's an end game or like that something good will happen yeah. um, has just been working with my quintet and being involved in that chamber music. Um, Cause I think chamber music is a little bit, I mean, chamber music is obviously more lightweight than an entire orchestra. Um, it's a little bit easier to like whatever the buzzwords are like pivot and adapt and all these different things. Right, 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 right. So like we've moved our kids show online um, we're doing the workshops remotely. We're doing the performances and I say performances with quotes for people who are watching this without the video um, <laughs> because we actually managed to construct our, our culminating performance of the set of workshops in such a way that it's all pre-recorded and we just rearrange how the pieces come together and to make it custom for that student story yeah, yeah. or that set of stories. Because when we started putting this together last summer, we were like, we don't know what it even will look like. So we want to make this, we want to pandemic proof this performance because we don't even know if all of us are going to be in the same city. I mean, for a while we were scattered across, you know, a few States. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, so like that. being involved in that kind of mental gymnastics is still, you know, artistically stimulating because you have to think like, how are we going to make right. this work? Um, it's so, yeah, you're still able to problem solve in a way. And I think that's all be, that's like something that is able to get you up in the morning and, and right. feel like, oh, I can do something. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. I'm doing something. It's music is involved. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm part of this organization. And yeah, but uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely different. That's for sure. Um have you been before in the before times? Were you before involved times. at all? Right. Were you involved at all with any freelancing in Ottawa itself? No, it's like I, I'm in a funny situation. So it's uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the pandemic really like threw for a loop, like immigration stuff. And so mm -hmm. I'm like uh, in the situation where I applied for an extension on, uh, my tourist visa and, uh, because like, because of what I do is remote, like I can kind of, you know, do it right. anywhere. And so it's like, yeah. you know, but, uh, I applied for an extension and like the, the waiting time is like six months. And so before <laughs> I was like, I was, uh, uh, before I was like, well, um, I, I, I just like went back and forth from, uh, uh, you know, the States because that was, right. I just performed in the States and then I came back yeah. to Canada. And so I'd reset my tourist visa each time and you yeah. can stay, um, you know, you can say six to nine months, no questions asked basically as an American. It's super easy. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, for, you know, obviously then, you know, as the months ticked by and like, I can't actually go back to the States now because I yeah. could, but then I wouldn't be able to come back. Right. Um, and so it's like, well, uh, okay. I guess I'll extend my tourist visa, um, because we're, you know, trying to apply for some other stuff, um, mm -hmm. to, to, to be more permanent, but, um, yeah, the, it's a six month waiting time. And then I applied for a six month extension. Right. So like, it might end up being like, oh, you're <laughs> maybe my application will be not, not denied in six months, but you know, hopefully I'll oh, have man. something else in the works by then. <laughs> so, right. right. Yeah. So, but I can't actually perform in Ottawa. Um, uh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Which was fine for me because I had enough performing in New York, but then <laughs> right. COVID hit. And so 
it's like oh, i can't it, covid hit up here too so it's like right okay. right they, were, they weren't exactly like uh any incentive for me to try to find opportunities here because there weren't any right yeah um, exactly exactly yeah so yeah it's uh i, I miss playing <laughs> yeah i bet i'm sure yeah i mean it's it's funny because even though um i'm not i'm not what you would call a uh a hardcore practicer and i never really was <laughs> Um, I always liked, you know, I would practice so I didn't look like an idiot, but like, you know, and I wanted to get better at my instrument, but I was never someone who really enjoyed the process of practicing for its own sake. Um, I was a very, like, it was a means to an end, um, in my, in my view. And I always just really thrived on the social piece where, you know, you got into the ensemble or you played in a chamber group or you're just playing with your friend, you know, whatever it was that you were doing, like that was really what you know, kept me going, but, um, but yeah, it's been interesting, um, through the pandemic that I've, I've started to become more of a practicer in some ways. And then in other ways I have abused my vacation shops because I'm very good at not playing for like a month and then coming back and being ready to play in like two days. It's knock on wood. (laughs) I'm going to get smote from the sky at some point for this. I'll say, oh yeah, that's how it used to I, work. No, I, I mean, I don't think you should feel that way. I like, I really think that, um, I don't know. This is one of my sort of hobby horses, but mm-hmm. like, I think that, you know, it's like people are like, oh, I have to have like, you know, mastered my instrument or something. Like, I just, I, I guess, I've learned to see, um, the a music degree in a much different way. Like the skill set you get with that. Like, if you look at it as though, like, okay. After I graduate, I will be able to play almost anything after I practice it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that is a huge skill set in itself. Like, you're able to, you're able to go into, oh, this thing and this last minute thing and this whatever. Um, you don't have to be able to sight read everything perfectly. <laughs> that's like, just, right. it's just not, it's just not, you know. Very, very few gigs are really going to require that sort of skill set. Right. Um, at least on the East Coast, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, you, you just need to be able to, like, you know, show up on time and, like, play decently well and uh, be somebody that people like to play with. And that if you can be all those three things, like, by the time that you graduate school, like, you'll really, you'll be mo- more set than most people. <laughs> gra- and only you know? one of those three things actually involve your instrument. Yeah. It yeah. really, it's, it's so, so, so true. Yeah. Um, it's very but, true. Yeah. So I don't think that, I, I think that that's, uh, that your attitude is the correct one. <laughs> well, so thank much. you. Thank you. That's <laughs> wonderful to hear. But, uh, but yeah, I, I feel you on that on on missing having that having that piece of your life that's not quite there, but hopefully hopefully we'll get there. Um so just as a sort of to sort of wrap up um the conversation here, um you've talked about your journey and about how a lot of it was just and I feel like this is a recurring theme, the more people I interview, a lot of how you got to where you were was just finding new opportunities and being open to wherever these different paths were leading. Um, do you have any other advice for musicians or maybe music students who are just coming out of school and they're coming into that terrifying moment that we both just talked about where you're done with school and then what do I do next? Do you have any advice for people who are looking for their secondary thing that they might want to cultivate an interest in? Yeah, totally. 
Um, honestly, I, I feel like, so there's sort of a, uh, uh, de- debate almost, right? Whether like, wait, should you say yes to everything or should you say no to most things? I think people, you think you'll get advice on like bo- both things and like both times you hear it, it sounds right. Like, yeah, right. you should say yes to almost everything. Oh, great. You should say no to almost everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Be fussy. But, that makes sense. Yeah. I guess yeah. where I've sort of landed on it in a way that's resonated with uh, my life is to say yes to almost everything until you figure out what you're good at, what you want to do, what excites you. And then you say no to almost everything. And so I think, so what, what that translates to for the person that was, that is in the position I was in (laughs) and you and I were in uh, many, many years ago when we were just about to graduate and like feel like we don't have any skills and like Mm -hmm. we're, you know, uh, don't have anything lined up is to uh, just, I don't know. You just need to be patient um, and to be open to doing things that are, uh, you know, 10% music related, 50% music related, 70% music related, whatever. Um, 0% music related, honestly, because, uh, Again, I and I said this earlier, but it really I think music school um, is really just you get a, a understanding of uh, of classical music culture, and you can start at least the way I sort of approach school. I was able to see like, oh, there are a, there's this problem with classical music, and there's like a you know you start to see like it's kind of weird that the the way that we can't uh, clap except for certain times. And it's kind of right. weird, like, you know, that we're only learning about uh, uh, dead white guys. And it's only, you know, like, there's different um, chances are, if you're listening to this, that you have your own sort of thing that you're, like, frustrated with with classical yeah. music and why is it like this. Yeah. Um, and you can actually devote your energy to artistic pursuits, non-artistic pursuits that help fix that problem in a small way. Um, And, you know, for me, it was seeing that people didn't express themselves very well with words and and they needed to market themselves well with words in order to get concert tickets. And so I was able to step in and and sort of fill that gap. Um, So, you know, say yes to almost everything until you figure out what you want to do, then say no to almost everything. That's my first piece of advice. (laughs) And then, um, I, I would just say to uh, diversify uh, almost everything, like not to diversify the people that you hang out with. Like, don't just, if if you feel like your five closest people that you talk to most of the time are all, Oh, I want to be an orchestral musician or I want a solo career or whatever. And maybe consider hanging out with one person that doesn't think like that. And is like, oh, like I'm actually going to, you know, I'm going to go to business school after this, or I'm going to go to, um, you know, uh, you know, just, just people that think differently. I think you can't just be around the types of people that you know and that you're comfortable being around. Yeah. Um, diversify your friend group. Diversify the types of media you consume. Um, I mean, even just the going back to my life coach story, the uh, she. She's, you know, quote unquote, assigned me a different book sort of each week. And I never really, not that I never read nonfiction before then, but it just wasn't in, 
it's just not something I thought about like, oh, I should do this. It was yeah. just like, it was just not in my, and so then I started, um, I think the first book, uh, I, I picked up was a book called quiet by Susan Kane about introverts. Um, I identify as an introvert. So just like learning about like, oh, wow. Like this person like is able to, to, you know, summarize like all these different like facets of being an introvert and, and put it into this book and like all these. And so it just got me thinking about the world in a different way. And I pick up another book and another book. And it's like, you know, when I just feel like when you read about all these different people and, and ideas, you can start to understand problems in your own life in a much mm -hmm. different way. Yeah. And then when you start to understand the problems, you can solve them. And then when you solve them, you can maybe even profit from them. So, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I think that's sort of like, if you're thinking about a, you know, trying to like, add on to your performing career or uh, even go into a different direction altogether. I think that just, you know, change, change up the types of inputs that you're getting, whether it's from people or from, you know, from what you're consuming. Yeah. That's really great advice to, yeah, to broaden your horizons. Cause it's true. It's really easy, especially in music school. It's so easy to be in, you know, an insulated pod, I know that's what we're supposed yeah. to be doing now in COVID, but <laughs> in music school, you end up in this insulated pot of people who, yeah, who might have very, very similar career goals. And then if you aren't sure that that's the direction that you want to go and you might just kind of go that way because that's what everyone else is doing. And, you know, it's, it's hard to think outside of that. Um, yeah, that's, that's really good advice. And, you know, it actually jogged my memory of something else mm. that I wanted to ask you because oh, great. I feel like this is something that is a challenge for freelancers in general. And I know that I struggled with this a lot um, when I was not only freelancing as a musician, but freelancing. Um, I used to build websites for people, yeah, for musicians. Yeah. Um, how do you address that pricing issue um, and balancing, mm. you know, that idea of saying yes to everything and then starting to say no. Um, so, I guess it's a two-part question. A, when you're balancing those yeses and nos, um, does that process also start to involve getting fussier about how much money is involved? And then yeah. when you do get to that point where you are starting to say no to things, um, how do you address, you know, assigning value to whatever it is that you're doing? Totally. Um, yeah, I think, you know, when you're first starting out a, a sort of, pursue like i was it's not that i was doing bios for free because i was getting paid a salary but it wasn't i wasn't getting paid per bio you know yeah. it was just like i was in i was at national sawdust and an event would come in and i would look at it and sometimes it would be almost fine and sometimes it'd be really not fine and i just have to do the, the work then but that's where i sort of got my reps and that's when i started you know feeling like i could charge people um yeah i, I mean honestly you just have to get your reps sort of early on and so like if you're you know like you, you can't expect to to charge a ton of money if it's not something that you've done very often before right yeah. and so be, it, being able to charge i guess higher prices um comes from a confidence that what you have to offer is of a high value and the only way you're going to be able to like you, you can't really um 
some people make that up, but, uh, <laughs> most, most, ta- most of the time. And for most of the people listening, I imagine that if, uh, you know, you want to feel like, uh, there when someone spends, um, a hundred, 200, $500,000 and gives it to you that you're going to deliver something in return that is of, um, that matches that sort of value. And you have to really build that inner confidence by learning how to do it and, uh, and learning like, oh, okay, like this is what working with a client feels like. And so I would say if you have a really cool service you want to offer or ideas to start, um, charging, uh, you can either offer for free or charge not very much money. Um, but just so you can sort of understand what the challenges are, um, because part of what they're paying you for is not only for the specific product, but for the reliability and for the, you know, being able to, uh, deliver, you know, on time and to, to relate with them in a way that makes them feel good, like all these things. Um, and then you'll be able to raise your prices over time when you start to realize, oh, okay, like this is actually takes a lot of time for me to do this really well. Um, and I'm only charging this much. Um, that's what, I mean, that was, uh, I used to charge 147 and then, um, thankfully I had a meeting with a PR person or I was just, we were just talking about stuff and, um, it got up to my business and we were talking about it and she was like, you should be charging more, like quite a, a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> and I found that I, I was like, okay. And I raised my prices from 147 to 247 and not, uh, not very many people, uh, uh, you know, I didn't really experience any change in, um, who, how many, you know, the number of clients I had, which wow. <laughs> was, that was pretty wild. That's awesome. But, yeah. I think, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't mention this earlier, but I, I, I was a door-to-door salesman for a lot of summers in, in college. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I learned a lot about then about like, okay, like how do I, you know, like what are people going to spend their money on? Um, and I, I was an, I sold alarm systems. So it's like, I'd get people to sign up for like the pitch was like, Hey, you know, it's, uh, it's a, all the equipment, like we, we pay for the equipment. Um, mm-hmm. you just have to you know, agree to let us monitor the, you know, us be the company to use the equipment to monitor your house. Right. And we're like, Oh, okay. And you know, in the end, like people were paying, like committing to 42 months of, you know, 49, 59, 69, uh, 99 a month, uh, security monitoring, which is like, you know, that like $5,000 or so, um, to, to some, uh, the first summer I did, I was 19 and I had like this bowl cut still from high school. (laughs) It was like the 19 year old kid that they met 50, 45, 50 minutes ago. And they were like committing all this money to some company that they've never heard of. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's just like, you have to respect the customer to see the va- to let them determine if the value matches what you're going to say. So, yeah. I mean, honestly, if you if you say this is how much it is and you have the confidence that this is the labor behind it makes it worth it, then just like let it be and you'll probably be surprised in the amount of yeses that come back to you. Yeah. That's great. That is, <laughs> I'm now. I'm just really enjoying the visual of you with a bowl cut asking people for five thousand. Oh, it was it was iconic. Yes. I am just I am just amazed. Um, just thinking back at at the, uh, uh, yeah, I'm the 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 the, the, <laughs> the some of the sales I made. It was just like 
how um like even even just once uh uh <laughs> this is like a very random story but once um we it's a really grueling job door to door sales right yes. it's like you got to do it's not easy. um yeah six six days a week uh, sat like it's 2 to 9 um and then on saturday it's 9 to 9 so it's like you, wow. you got to be out because that's when people are home, right? Mm -hmm. So is uh, you know out and it's during the summer, so it's super hot and it's just like and so when you work for so many hours and you like don't get a sale, like you don't get paid hourly, obviously, like you get paid commission. So it's oh, like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like if you don't, you know, I could be out for six hours or <laughs> six days and uh, not have sold anything and not have had any money to show for my efforts. Oh, so man. it's like well. Okay. Um, it, it, how can I like mix things up for myself to, to kick, keep my energy up? <laughs> and, um, so I started, uh, I was like, Oh, I'm going to do like a couple pitches in a British accent. And <laughs> hello, are you the, you the homeowner here? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so like, I was like, okay, this is like, you know, people are going to laugh or something. And then I can like, you know, just like just for a few doors and then, yeah. like, you know, maybe I can go back. And then like, I, I, knocked on the first homeowner's door and he's like yeah and i'm like yeah i'm just you know saw in the neighborhood and i saw that uh your neighbor here had a uh, had a vivant sign and i was wondering uh if you uh had one of your you know so i was going through the whole pit and then he's like oh no i didn't actually yeah i was wondering about that and i was like you were oh okay yeah i'm happy to tell you more about it um <laughs> it's like this terrible british accent but like, like i couldn't i couldn't stop yeah and so i it ended up being like i got into the house and it was a three-hour process but i ended up oh getting the sale and i had to do the whole thing in british accent including <laughs> like there's a part where you have to call the technicians so that they come and like help install the thing and i had to like <laughs> yeah it's me uh john yeah uh, we're like are you sh this doesn't sound like right. <laughs> i did like go in the other room it was a whole situation you're um, like listen but, i'm just i'm trying something new just roll with me here yeah yeah basically um That's so funny. uh yeah but I, I yeah a lot of uh I, i'm really glad that i did tour sales instead of like you know the aspens and tanglewoods of the of the world these massive summer festivals i did like short festivals and then i did door-to-door -door sales to yeah. make money for the rest of the and yeah. yeah i think that was a huge part of probably why i'm doing this and not in some orchestra not playing somewhere <laughs> right yeah yeah i mean anything where you're dealing with people teaches you so much i never had the energy for sales but <laughs> I have so much respect for people that do. And I work, you know, I worked at Starbucks, you know, you name it. I probably worked there. I did right. real estate, which was also mm. entirely. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 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 What a time to be alive. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you learn a lot about, about relationships and it translates into oh, even freelancing. So it's really, it really does. Yeah, yeah. Cause I mean, you were used to asking for a large amount of money on a sale. Yeah. And so I'm sure like, even negotiating your rates for freelance jobs, A, you knew that that was a thing that you could probably do. And exactly. B, which I feel like a lot of people don't even realize, like a lot of gigs, it's just going to be no because everyone is getting paid the same. But you'd be surprised. Sometimes you ask for more and it magically appears. Yeah, I've um, done I've done it. 
It, it's yeah. there, you know, like you get called last minute to do something, you realize that you have some leverage and, you know, what, uh, not having to accept the first thing that, that they number that they send out. Yep. Um, yeah, I've, you know, on the spot, I was like, you know, actually, can you do, uh, I don't remember the numbers, but it was like, right. I asked for like a hundred bucks extra and there, and he was like, all right, let's, all right, all right, deal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Right? Yeah. And you're um, just like, oh, right. Yes. My value is that. I can ask yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, yeah. yeah, people, yeah, musicians, I think, um, would definitely benefit from the, you know, other skill sets offered by other, other fields for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if any of us are, any of us are salespeople out the gate, but we can definitely learn to get there. Yeah. I don't, and I don't think you have to spend multiple summers, you know, doing door to door sales, but I, yeah, it's just putting yourself in different environments honestly yeah do you know working like a, a job at starbucks or whatever i think yeah it's just it, it it makes you think about the problems that you, you you have to deal with a whole different set of problems first of all yeah and then you have to uh, those problems require much different solutions than the ones you face in the practice room and in your chamber ensemble and in orchestra and whatever. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times though, the solutions that you have to come up with in your Starbucks job or in your sales job or, or receptionist or whatever overlaps somewhat with the uh, other problems that you're having to face in your music life. And then you can come out with a little bit more of a creative solution. Um, yeah, I think, uh, it can only it can only benefit you i think it's not it's not a distraction that's for sure no no you know diversify your friends diversify your income streams diversify your problems diversify mm. your job yes i think that's a great place to end <laughs> i agree <laughs>